the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth Liebson, and as we do every Friday, we uh, check in with and speak with George Kayla. He is the president of Data Orbital and a managing partner of the Resolute Group, finest political consultant in the country. We're delighted he's based here in Arizona. Wanted, we, we, George and I talk a lot about the intersection of culture and politics. I want to do a little bit of that with George and with with you, George, in a few moments. Let's first start with the assault the Democratic Party is engaging in on every American for the dream palaces of that which will never come. If I might, George, long wind up, pitch it to you in a second here. Um, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) if I might, the president of the United States goes abroad and explains to the world and American press and the American people that we're going to have to um, have a little more pain at the gas pump and in the price hikes from inflation because of what we're trying to do with Russia in regard to Ukraine. And a reporter asks him, how much longer will the American people have to put up with these insufferable prices? And the president says, as long as it takes. Joe Biden's presidential economic advisor, the head of his uh, Economic uh, Affairs Council, the same job Larry Summers had, the same job Larry Kudlow has, was asked, what do you say to those families that say, listen, we can't afford to pay $5 a gallon or four eighty-five a gallon, if not years? And he said, Brian Deese said, this is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. George, how the heck is this going to play out coming up toward November? As always, Seth, uh, thank you for having me on. And this is the amazing thing. Like They have taken something like Russia and Ukraine, and there would have been a hundred ways to say something about the Russia and Ukraine crisis. Ninety-nine of them are okay or great. One of them is horrific. They chose the one horrific (laughs) way. When they pitted it against, the everyday lives of Americans, the citizens that we, right, we, uh, you know, that they're responsible for, I should say, and the citizenry of America that elected him, that then hired this guy that advises him, and versus, and they juxtapose so that the, that the dichotomy that's left is for people to say, well, then I don't want to help the Ukrainians because it's hurting the Americans. And when we all know, it's a lot more complicated than that when it comes to gas prices, but they chose the one way to pit aid in Ukraine with gas prices because, we know why they're doing that because there's no they don't have a good explanation they're confused and so this seems like an easy one well they're like well this is the noble cause then they know that they're and and they don't realize that they're hurting themselves even more it is not going to play out well we know it's not going to play out well americans are feeling the pain at the pump and it's getting worse every day and ukraine is thousands of miles away and even for those americans that want to desperately help the the people of ukraine and want to push back against russia that is a horrific comparison that goes against everything that they have and all the power of argumentation that they have because you're pitting Americans versus Ukrainians with, when it should never have been set up that way. That's I, my I, I think that's a beautiful setup and, and, and start on step one. That it's, there's a step two here, too, which I think is even, um, e- even, even, even more alarming, which is they aren't hiding the fact 
that they are callous and don't care in the name of, in this case, the liberal world order, or as Joe Biden would say, due to our uh, need to transform our energy uses and energy needs. They keep saying this almost as if when you use phrases like it's about the future of the liberal world order, it's almost as if How can I put it, George? It's almost as if they are believing – I can't even say their own media anymore because the media has gotten a little skeptical about them. But it's almost as if they're believing their own press releases, I suppose. It's a really odd thing to tell the American people that for the liberal world order, you're going to have to pay higher prices assuming that the rest of the country is with them. They think the rest of the country is on board with this, and I can't imagine that it is. Yeah, I would challenge them uh, to go anywhere except for San Francisco, Chicago, New York, L.A., and the other, you know, Portland, you know, you know, we know all the major progressive cities, Minneapolis, you name it. I challenge them to go anywhere else in the United States of America this weekend on the 4th of July. And I challenge them to ask the average American, what do you want? You want America first? Or you want to protect the liberal world order? First off, they're going to be like, what the heck is the liberal yeah, world order? Right. Second off. Yeah. They're going to be like, no, I want America first. And it's not a Trump. That's not a Trumpian thing. That's not a MAGA thing. That's not a conservative thing. That's just an America thing. No one understands what that means. And this is like, for example, telling someone in their home, for example, you have a father, let's say, or a mother, you have parents. Their home doesn't have a roof. Their home doesn't have basic stuff. They can't feed their kids. And like, yeah, but your lawn is messy. Go fix your lawn. They're not worried about the lawn. We've got problems inside of our house. And there are legitimate crises happening in Ukraine and Russia. And when Biden and the progressives set it up this way, they belittle the legitimate crisis that's happening, and they, they, they um, juxtapose and they pit the Americans and the average American against the Ukrainian and the Russian crisis yeah. to their own detriment. Yeah. It is, of course, America first. It, it should be Arizona first, Florida first, California first, not liberal world order. Again, it, it's like needs a philosophical uh, description and, and frankly, um, explanation and definition to even figure out what the heck they mean by that. Uh, exactly right. And, uh, George, I, I, you know, there's another step to this as well, going back to the, 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 the more pure cultural issues that you and I talk about in the context of politics. I was just interviewing Brian Kennedy and uh, he was talking about, you know, you you look at the state of America today with record high inflation, with record high uh, dr- uh, drug overdose deaths. Uh, you look at a border that has no control over it whatsoever with nothing envisionable to control it in anything like a near future. You have shortages in the grocery store um, and you have, if you want, uh, enemies abroad like China doing everything they can to uh, smack us uh, militarily. And you have the Democratic Party talking about a new liberal world order. And how's this headline? Democrats unveil transgender bill of rights. This is what they think is important, I think. This is what they think Americans think it's important, I think. Look, we're human beings. When we think something's important, you talk about it more. When you think church and faith is important or synagogue is important, you go to church and, and synagogue more. When you don't think something's important, you ignore it. We know that. That's human nature. What they talk about, they deem to be important. The conversations coming out of the White House, the East Wing, the West Wing, the, the Speaker's office, the Senate President's office, it's all baloney. It's all garbage. It's a stronger word that we can't say on the radio. <laughs> uh, and it's all out of touch with the average Americans that are not in the five or ten cities that these people apparently think make up all of America. And everywhere in between those five or ten major cities, Americans are struggling and they seemingly do not 
care, even if those people don't think or they do think that gas prices have anything to do with Biden or not, when you're callous and you're crass and you're non-empathetic, especially from the party that screams, supposedly screams empathy and screams emotion. They say they feel with the people and not those big, bad Republicans. And they're being more crass than ever. And then they think they're going to win in November. They think they stand a chance. It's unbelievable. Seth. It's unbelievable. I often like to talk about George with our audience and other audiences I may speak in front of from time to time. The difference between elite culture in America and America and the uh, views of elite culture, uh, you know, are not the views of ordinary Americans. I think there's a rot in the thinking of elite culture. It's just that more and more have gotten on board. So it's it's now athletic associ- professional athletic associations. It's now uh, big business. It was it used to be just education and entertainment and media. We now add athletics and we can add the military for that matter, I suppose at this point and uh, and the corporate and the corporations in America. And I wonder on that corporations level George, the the big business level in this country that is getting behind all this stuff as well. I wonder if they, too, are acting in disregard of uh, their their potential and their current customer base. I wonder, too, if there's a greater divide between the elites and Americans than ever before that they don't realize or that they don't recognize or that they may not even care about. I think corporate America especially big business, those that we know are out of touch, have been pressing the buttons of Americans, average Americans, for a number of years. I think it's beginning to boil over. We talk a lot about Governor DeSantis and the buttons that Disney pressed, and it definitely boiled over there, and they felt the pain, and they're continuing to do so in Florida. I think we're going to see more and more over the next number of years companies that have definitely overextended, have pressed the buttons of average Americans, and there's going to be a recoil. They are not in touch. They are going to start losing customers, even if they haven't felt it, but it's getting to the tipping point. Look, we like our conveniences. So it's hard, for example, if, quote unquote, Amazon goes woke, well, where is a conservative? There's not an alternative to Amazon. That's legitimate, right? That does the same thing that Amazon does for, for example, a conservative to not do. The more that these large companies engage in political discourse and they engage in political discourse that is out of the mainstream of America and frankly is only in line with the 25% of progressive America, the more that they're going to feel the pain, they cannot sustain it. It's not sustainable. And now they have the elected officials piling on, which makes it even less sustainable. We're talking to George Kaloff. You can stay another segment, George. I want to talk about the Democratic Party here in, uh, well, Pima County. <laughs> I want to talk about it on uh, the state capitol grounds. And I want to talk about what we can do about it with the education of our youth. If you can stay uh, with me, I'd love to uh, keep you over another segment, sir. Looking forward to it. I'm Seth Leibson. He's George Kaloff. He's the president of Data Orbital and the managing partner at the Resolute Group. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaloff uh, from the Resolute Group, also Data Orbital, is with us. Uh, George, in the last segment, you uh, you said you were almost apt to uh, use a word that we can't um, say on radio. And increasingly, I'm finding that to be a problem when I'm quoting things that the Democrats and the left is writing about or, or, or is posting. Maybe it's deliberate. Maybe it's so we can't talk about it on radio. They use these words. Uh, the Pima Democratic... Uh, Pima County Democratic Party tweeted out a uh, message today. Um, let's mourn 
F the fourth, except they used the full word, the full four letters. And uh, I guess they wanted to get our attention for a rally that they were hosting tomorrow night uh, to F the fourth and commemorate effing the fourth of July. Uh, they got enough comments on it on Twitter that they uh, quietly took it down. And then they put this statement out. It just came out. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it said um, the Pima County Democratic Party posted a graphic advertising a march, which we agree was in poor taste. We were eager to share the event, the event, and in our haste, we used the graphic provided by the event organizer. Make no mistake, however, we support the event, which will be on July 4th at 7 p.m. at Reed Park. OMG, George. OMG. <laughs> they, they, that, that, that's not really a retraction. It's not an apology at all. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of the Senate Democrats at the State House in 2020 put out a tweet quoting Asada Shakur. She is currently uh, on the lam in Cuba uh, having escaped from prison in the United States for killing a cop. What is going on with the Democratic Party in Arizona? They used to say they don't like us questioning their patriotism. They're screaming at us that patriotism is the last thing they care about. They don't care. They don't care. And anyone that tells you this is why any anyone that's like, oh, my God, rights getting too radical yeah. in this. And can we win? And can we not win? Are, are we seeing what the left is doing? I mean, the average American, once again, the same question that I asked in the first segment. If you go around to the average town in Arizona and you ask someone about the 4th of July, no one's going to share that sentiment. It's just it's it's mind-boggling, and especially for someone like myself who immigrated from a country like Lebanon that has legitimate problems, and he came to the United States, and, and my family and my parents gave up everything to get us here. As, as so many immigrant stories, I mean, we're a nation of immigrants, and they want to trash America. They want to tear it down. They don't want to have constructive dialogue about things that may or may not have gone right or wrong in our history. They just want to tear it down. And like you said, they retract it, quote unquote, and then continue to double down and say that they that they support it. It is absurd. And even in Pima County, there's going to be blowback. There is no way the Democratic Party of today, with the leadership that they have of today, that is listening to a vocal but exceptionally small minority, can win and continue to be in charge of a country like the United States of America. We are not communist insert country. We are the United States of America, and they are exceptionally out of touch of where the mainstream American and the mainstream Arizonanism today. I, I don't know if the press in this state will do it. Uh, it would be good if they did, but certainly every Republican running for office or every Republican who has access to a microphone or some kind of social media account should really ask or try to ask uh, U.S. Senator Mark Kelly, who that 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 is his territory, that is his party, the Pima County Democratic Party, should ask him if uh, if he supports what the Pima County Democratic Party supports, which is yes, still attending an event dedicated to F the Fourth of July. Yeah, it's absurd. It's absurd. There will be consequences, whether they think that there will or there won't. There has to be actually sane Democrat strategists somewhere in this country, somewhere. That every time something like this happens, not only do they cringe, they're marking another tick on their wall yeah. that says, "Okay, this is this is on the side that's going to harm us." And there's very few things on the side that's going to help us. And every day they seemingly are pouring pouring things onto the side that's going to hurt them, and not adding anything to the side that's going to help them. There has to be people that are tracking this, but maybe not. Maybe we sh we should be so lucky as to not have that be the case. Uh, and they continue to double down on these crazy crazy ideas that they have, these crazy commentary. And frankly, opposing their own people, <laughs> the rank and file person of Tucson and <laughs> the county, Democrat or not, 
who love the United States of America. It, it's absurd. It's absurd. You, like me, know that this can only happen amongst 20 and 30 and 40-somethings after a long train of abuses in the educational system, an educational system that downgrades um, um, the study of American history, that revises the study of American history, that is pitting um, school children against one another based on race, instituting critical race theory, uh, importing uh, odd queer theories about switching genders and how that that should be encouraged in our schools. You and I are huge supporters of someone who I think is the best person running for superintendent of public instruction, Shiri Sapir. You and I are supporters of Shiri's. Uh, Talk to the audience about how important her candidacy is, because if we're going to get control of our schools and we know the superintendency is largely is largely a uh, is largely a megaphone and is largely a um, a bully pulpit. But it does have certain controls. Tell I I, I think this is a time that was just meant for Shiri Sapir for this job. You know, Seth, you are right. It is a megaphone and it is a bully pulpit. But now more than ever, and you and I have discussed this as well, we need people that have vision-casting megaphones that are fighting for the average Arizonan. And someone like Shiri, who has a tremendous background, who was awakened like so many other people during COVID and all that it, all the ramifications that it had on her children and her family, and finally said, enough. And she got up and got engaged and has started leading and has seen tremendous grassroots growth, something that, by the way, in Arizona, there's such a thing as clean elections for those who aren't familiar. And in order to qualify for public financing, you have to collect a certain number of $5 contributions. Uh, and as, as you know, Seth, for anyone who's tried to do that, it's harder to collect $5 from an individual than it is to get a max $5,300 check from an individual. Yes. Uh, in my experience, right. she qualified faster than anyone that I have seen on the Republican side. Wow. February, the first possible day she qualified for funding. That just goes to show the strength of her grassroots. But now more than ever, we need a leader like her that could not just win the primary, but then go toe-to-toe with someone like Kathy Hoffman, who has used her megaphone to promote and encourage the Department of Education to engage with all this gender identity, um, indoctrination of our children, that has encouraged technology and her teachers to engage in that. And it matters who has the megaphone. And there are administrative functions, and she has made it harder for those of us that favor allowing parents to dictate what is best for their children. Uh, She is in the pocket, as we know, of education unions, and of a select group of education bureaucrats, because not every rank-and-file teacher is this way, that want to be in charge of what your children learn versus having the parent in charge of what your children learn. And Shiri and what she represents and the movement that she has created statewide here in Arizona is who we need to get us across the finish line out of the primary and into the general to beat Kathy Hoffman and to go on and to run the Department of Education. If I can quote you, 100%. You know, she would be a great ally with some of these great candidates that are running for school board, many of whom have been on this show, many of whom I know you counsel with and help. Uh, We're going to try and take back these school boards so that we can try and take back the proper instruction and care of our children. And Shiri Sapir at Superintendency as our superintendent of public instruction. Let me give out our website, shirisapir.com, S-H-I-R-Y. S-A-P-I-R.com. I know you won't mind, George, that I'm doing that at the expense of giving out your website, but people can find you, too, at Data Orbital. Not at all. Group. Not at all. You betcha. It's a critical, critical race. We have to get her across the line. Hey, George, have a wonderful and blessed holiday weekend. Thank you for everything you do and are, and we'll talk to you next week.
Thank you, Seth. You as well. You betcha. I'm Seth Leapson. Open line 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Every day, more harmful decisions by the current administration hurt the economy, robbing your savings and investments. It's almost criminal. Inflation is at a 40-year high, making your money worth less. And now there's a very real possibility of a full-blown recession. Can you afford to lose even more? No. The good news is when investments fall, gold traditionally holds its value, which is why I recommend calling Midas Gold Group veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to talk about safeguarding your wealth with physical gold or other precious metals. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. K-12 education is certainly one problem. And post-secondary education or college and university education is yet another. How do you lose a country? How about this headline? Does this make you proud to be an American? Cornell University. It's an Ivy League college, by the way. It's the forgotten Ivy League, but it is an Ivy League college. Cornell University removes Gettysburg Address and a bust of Abraham Lincoln from their library after an, an alleged complaint. I saw a reporter the other day saying, or, uh, saying to someone who was opposing critical race theory and, you know, the, the the depredations, uh, critical race theory and, and the BLM movement have uh, together imposed. And they mentioned, you know, putting Lincoln on the chopping block. And someone says, Lincoln really on the chopping block? Yeah. Yeah, Lincoln really is. A, they changed his name in a school in San Francisco. They took his name down there. A statue of him was taken down. And here's Cornell University getting rid of the Gettysburg Address and a bust of Abraham Lincoln. The down marketing and the revision, the downmarketing of, of, of patriotism in America and the revision of American history in this country, as it was in every tyranny ever known by man, starts there, starts with those two things. And I believe in my monologue, I gave you a few ideas, a few things you might want to share with your family to reteach and relearn or reappreciate America and American history from original sources. We could go to secondary sources, too. You know, I read this, Gettys- this uh, Gettysburg Address Lincoln bus story out of Cornell, and I just it makes me want more John Wayne. That's what it makes me want. And I said yesterday we're going to do our best here to help reinstantiate a little patriotism going into the 4th of July holiday weekend. Bill, do you, uh, do you have uh, a little John Wayne for us? Give us a little John Wayne. You ask me why I love her? Well, give me time, I'll explain. Have you seen a Kansas sunset or an Arizona rain? Have you drifted on a bayou down Louisiana way? Have you watched the cold fog drifting over San Francisco Bay? Have you heard a Bob White calling in the Carolina Pines? Or heard the bellow of a diesel in the Appalachia Mines? Does the call of the Niagara thrill you when you hear her waters roar? Look with awe and wonder at a Massachusetts shore where men who braved a hard new world first stepped on Plymouth Rock. Do you think of them when you stroll along a New York City dock? Have you seen a snowflake drifting in the Rockies way up high? 
Have you seen the sun come blazing down from the bright Nevada sky? You hail to the Columbia as you rise into the sea, or are you headed Gettysburg, or struggle to be free? Have you seen the mighty Tetons? You watched an eagle soar. Have you seen the Mississippi roll along Missouri's shore? Have you felt a chill at Michigan when on a winter's day her waters rage along the shore in thunderous display? Does the word aloha make you warm? Do you stare in disbelief when you see the surf come roaring in at Waimea Reef? From Alaska's cold to the Everglades, from the Rio Grande to Maine, my heart cries out, my pulse runs fast, the might of her domain. You ask me why I love her? I have a million reasons why. My beautiful America, beneath God's wide, wide sky. That, that was Hollywood in most of our lifetimes. By the way, that was written by Robert Mitchum's brother. There was your Hollywood in most of our lifetimes. That was from 1973. Do we need Ragged Old Flag, too? We might need Johnny Cash's Ragged Old Flag. That's a heck of a great yarn as well. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Anything special you're doing on the 4th, love to hear about it as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Y-Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, you want to check out Y-Refi. They're offering a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm run by really good people. As I say, I know them well, and you can too. Check them out at Invest. Yrefi.com. They're in the business of helping people dig out, a de- dig out a debt and do so the right way by actually paying off those debts and getting a lot of benefits along the way, including FICO score recovery. Investors do very well with Yrefi by doing good, and you can too. InvestYrefi.com. Check them out. Invest, the letter Y, and then refy.com. Uh, just as I was talking to you about Cornell taking down Abraham Lincoln, get this. Our friend uh, Alan Gelzo writes in the Wall Street Journal, George Washington is a problem for George Washington University, according to the Washington Post. For years, the university and the nation's capital has struggled with the shadow cast by President Washington's ownership of slaves. In 2020, university officials began investigating the school's sports team name, the Colonials, because of the ways colonists ravaged communities of color. That's in quote. Last month, Colonials disappeared. This spring, the Washington Post published an op-ed by one Caleb Francois, a senior at the school, insisting that the university deal with systemic racism, institutional inequality, and white supremacy, and to do so by dropping the Washington name completely and renaming the university for Frederick Douglass. George Washington certainly did own slaves. Yet Washington's time was also the age of enlightenment when the classical hierarchies of the physical and political worlds were overthrown to be replaced by the natural laws of gravity and the natural rights of nature and nature's God, as the Declaration of Independence put it. 
Labor ceased to be a badge of subservience, and commerce became admirable. As commerce and labor gave people a greater sense of control over their lives for the first time in human history, slavery came to be seen as repugnant and immoral. Washington was an emblem of this transition. The Continental Army, over which he assumed control in 1775, barred the enlistment of any stroller, black person, or vagabond. But by the end of the Revolution, there were as many as 5,000 black black soldiers under Washington's command. Ten percent of the troops who shivered through the Valley Forge winter with him were black. By the 1780s, he began to speak of desiring the adoption of some plan for the abolition of slavery. And he described slavery as his unavoidable subject of regret. In his will, Washington did what no other founder did, emancipating all the slaves he owned in his name and providing for the education of their children. He religiously forbade the surreptitious sale of any slave. So, yes, George Washington didn't own slaves, and his turn against slavery happened slowly. But this isn't the only matter to enter into the historical calculus of blame or fame. Washington was fumbling toward the elimination of slavery in an America that was only just emerging from centuries of deeming slavery normal. He was also the indispensable man of a rebellion that began the movement toward ending slavery. Once that government was established... He frankly told Edmund Randolph that if the slaveholding states of the South persisted in wrecking the new republic, he had made up his mind to remove and be of the northern states. Frederick Douglass, in his most famous speech, praised Washington as the man who, quote, could not die till he had broken the chains of his slaves, close quote. You want to take down George Washington's name and put up Frederick Douglass's? Instead, I'm all for more teaching about Frederick Douglass. But Frederick Douglass happened to like George Washington, too. Let his one-time opponent, Gelzo writes, King George III, have the last word. In 1797, the expatriate painter Benjamin West dined with one Rufus King, the American diplomat envoy to Great Britain. Rufus King signed the Declaration of Independence, by the way. West astounded Rufus King with a comment George III made when he learned that Washington had voluntarily surrendered his commission as general-in-chief of the Continental Army at the close of the Revolution, a voluntary submission of military power to civilian rule. That act, said the King, placed Washington, quote, in a light the most distinguished of any man living, and that he thought him the greatest character of the age, close quote. If only on that point, George III got Washington right. And so, I suspect, did the ones who named George Washington University. Yeah, you can, um, you can take down all these monuments. That is the task, of course, of iconoclasm. That is the task of every tyranny that wants to engage in a revolution. Everyone who has suffered through these regimes either in our lifetime and or our near lifetimes, whether it was the twilight, long twilight struggle or whether it was Nazism or China even today, they know this. This is why I quote to you Vaclav Havel all the time. He was in their prisons. He understands what they do. This is why I quote from you Milan Kundera all the time. came from the country Czechoslovakia that disappeared. For he wrote, Milan Kundera did, 
The first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history, and then have somebody write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. Before long, the nation will begin to forget what it was and what it is. Think about that. Think about that. Think about how long it took to do this. Not long, not long at all. Ronald Reagan said it only takes one generation to lose freedom because we don't pass it on in our bloodstream. It must be fought for and taught to each succeeding generation. First time he said that was in Phoenix. It takes about a generation, he said. Think about what a generation is. It's about 30 years. Think about what's taken place in this country over the last 30 years. Think about how long it's been since Ronald Reagan was president. Just about 30 years. Think about what Ronald Reagan's last speech as president to the nation was about. Go back and read that, too, this weekend, if you like. It was about the importance of teaching American history. For Ronald Reagan knew of what he spoke. He saw the tyranny that the Democratic Party was becoming and all the communists that it was allowing to run riot through his union. That's why he left it and ran from it and endorsed not only Republican candidates in the early 60s, but switched his party registration. He understood it perhaps before anyone else. We shan't forget it. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Good folks at Balance of Nature, not only making a great product, one I take every day, their fruits and veggies, a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables, 100% pure, third-party tested for all kinds of impurities. You take it once a day and you are good to go. They're also doing a project to help everything we're talking about, teach American fam- uh, American history and help American families teach American history to their children. Balance of Nature com. It's a good company. It's also making a product that's good for you. Good and good for you. Balance of Nature. Check them out. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Lisa's in Phoenix. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, I was wondering if anybody on the left or the kids thought about the end game. You know, you destroy America and then who gets to be in charge? And can I compare Francois, whatever his last name was? I mean, I respect him as a human being, but can I compare him to Washington, a war general, the president's first president of the United States, probably one of the most courageous men in our history? Does Francois compare to him? Or how about Obama, who took down Churchill's statue? Churchill was Churchill fought in two wars. He became the prime minister during the war. Did, did Obama compare to him? I mean, I have to respect Obama because he was our president, too. But does he compare to Churchill? No. Francois doesn't compare to Washington. All of these people, Schiff and Pelosi, none of them compared to our forefathers, who were brave men. So... Who's going to be in charge? Are we going to have a Maduro like in Venezuela? Yeah, Venezuela, Venezuela. Right, right, right. Are we going to have somebody like him 
that has to hire mercenaries to protect him because they can't trust the Venezuelan army, so he has to have Cubans around him. And when you look at pictures of him, he's a fat boy while his people are starving. Yeah. So that's what that's what's coming. But people can't seem to understand that. I don't get it. You know, Lisa, I think the most important thing you said goes to that notion of humility. Who are these people who think they can sit in judgment of giants? Giants. Churchill was a giant who saved the 20th century from being having all its moral lights blown out. George Washington was a giant who generations of Americans were taught was first in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of his countrymen for a reason. They know none of that history, but boy, are they ardent in the certainty of their position that they are better than them and have the right to sit in judgment of them. Yeah, pride may just very well be the greatest of sins. It's our job to turn it back. Really interesting guests coming up in studio. We have our county attorney, Rachel Mitchell, joining us. Don't go away. We're going to talk a lot about crime and Arizona and everything Rachel Mitchell's interested in. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 